You are listening to Faith That Works, a ministry of Faith Community Church, Indianapolis, Indiana. This is Pastor Steve Nanny, and I'm so glad that you've tuned in today. Today, we're going to pick up a Sunday morning sermon that we have began in the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Our desire is that these sermons would help you in such a way to move you to a more meaningful, deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Please stick around to the end for more information about our church. God bless, and thanks for listening. So chapter two, are you ready? Oh, that was terrible. Are you ready? Hey, man, somebody thought, I didn't realize church is supposed to be fun. Yes, we were dead, now alive. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, say that five times fast, that's the king of Persia, when wine was before him, now remember, he's the cupbearer, I took up the wine and I gave it to the king. Now, I had not been sad in his presence. In other words, I can't be sad in his presence. It's not allowed. If somebody's, you don't want your waiter or your waitress at your restaurant to be like depressed and tell you how bad their life is while they're bringing your food, right? You don't want that. So Nehemiah was not allowed to be sad in the presence of the king. And the king said to me, verse 2, why is your face sad seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. He understood. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad? When the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked. Listen, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river, and I gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, now remember, he's now went from Persia to Jerusalem, and there's these surrounding leaders Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite. When they heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. And so I went to Jerusalem, and I was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. And I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. And then I went up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall. And I turned back and I entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. And I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. 
And then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned? Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, listen, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite servant, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper, and we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion or right our claim in Jerusalem. Let's pray together. God, now help us. God, we're building. God, we dare not build unless the good hand of God be upon us. Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. We want you to build. Build in us. Build us as individuals. Build us as families, as husbands, as wives, as parents. Build us as the church. We may reach out and do what you've called us to do. For too long, God, the church is laying ruins, trying to figure it out our own way. But now, God, we have decided that you have a plan for us. And God, now we want to rise up. Rise up and build what you've called us to build. Make us men and women of courage. Men and women who are not scared of the opposition, men and women who are not afraid when people jeer at us and despise us. When we become the minority, God, may we not become frightened because God is on our side and if God be for us, who could ever be against us? God, we worship you today. And we thank you for your scriptures that helps us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Let's talk about this. So you've got the back of your bulletin there if you want to fill in some blanks today. I want to talk to you about this recipe for success. Now, I'm not talking about success in the eyes of the world and what they would say success is and prosperous and money, but I'm talking about to be successful in the eyes of God. And first of all, you have to determine today and go ahead and make up your mind that I want to do what God wants me to do. I have laid down. Now, if you if you're decided you're going to do your own thing, then we're already in trouble. But you have to decide right now before we even jump into this. I want to do what God wants me to do. I don't want to do my will. God, I want to do your will. It's not me. It's all you. I must decrease and he must increase. You understand that. And so Nehemiah in chapter 1 had resolved in his heart. That's what we talked about last week. He made a decision. He had a vision. He had a burden. He made a commitment. He laid down his job as cupbearer. He left the palace to move to the land of ruin. Everybody follow that. And so today I want to talk about what's it going to take. What's it going to take? So let's just review real quick what the book of Nehemiah is about. Again, we're about 100 years after the exile. The Babylonians, the Assyrians, they had come in. I'm not going to say anymore. You've got to come on Wednesday. So they came in and they, and they, they kind of destroyed things. Two groups had already returned to rebuild. It had been about a 13-year period at this point that a group had come. Zerubbabel had built some. Ezra had built some. And now Nehemiah has got on his heart because the city lay 
in ruins. And Jerusalem was the pinnacle for the presence of God, for the people of God. It was their nation. And so Nehemiah had it in his heart to rebuild. Nehemiah worked as cup builder, a cup bearer for the king. So, recipe. So here's the thing. Here's the first thing. The first thing, if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to wait. Wait a minute. I thought we are supposed to build. Yeah, but you can't build until you wait. Everybody hear that? How many of you love waiting? You just love it. Oh, you love to wait. We love waiting, right? We love, right? We can't stand to wait, especially when we know what we're supposed to do. Give me the direction I'm supposed to go, and let's go. But sometimes God gives you the direction you're supposed to go and says, now hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I'm ready to go, God. Listen, look at this real quick. I want you to see this. From chapter 1 to chapter 2 was four months. Nehemiah was praying, waiting, crying out to God, fasting, leaning in. For how long? For four months. Some of you can't pray for four minutes. But God had called him, put something in his heart so desperately. Hey, sometimes God will put something in your heart, but he just wants to know if you'll hold on a second. If you hold on a second. See, a lot of times, if God doesn't give us what we want, when we want, we move on to the next thing. Oh, and nobody knows what I'm talking about today. You know, are you hearing me? God, if you don't, if you don't do what I want when I want it, I will figure this out on my own. And how many of you have been around for five minutes and knows that does not work? You cannot go outside what God wants you to do. You have to just wait a minute. Just wait a minute. Anybody ever got children and they say, you know, they were really little and they said, fix me a drink? And you're like, sure, in just a minute. But I want a drink. Just a second, but I need it now. Hold on. Right? It's coming. Right? What God wants to do, real quick, I want you to touch your neighbor and say, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. What you're looking for God to do, it's coming. But you have to be willing to wait. Look at this. Last week we talked about your burden, your vision, your commitment. So once you develop a burden, once you develop a vision, once you develop a commitment, okay, that's wonderful. Now stop. Stop, I'm ready to go. Yeah, but God's still doing things. God's still up to things. It might be four months. It might be longer. Look at some of these examples right here. Look at this. Abram waited 25 years for a son after the promise. Did you see I said years? After God said, I'm going to give you a son. Well, praise the Lord, I'm getting a son. That's awesome. One year. Two years, 10 years, 15 years, 18 years, 21 years. Lord, are you kidding me at this point? 25 years before he got the son of promise. Joseph was a slave for all these years. And then finally, two years in prison. Moses spent 40 years in the desert before God used him. David was anointed the king. Think about that. I'm the king of Israel. That's awesome. Ten years, run for your life. Because the king, the current king wants to kill you. The current king could care less what God wants. He's going to kill you, take you out. Ten years. Paul spent three years. Most people don't realize this. People think Paul was converted on the road to Damascus and taken off right in Galatians and Ephesians. Three years in the desert. And he knew more scripture than anybody. But three years, the Bible tells us, he spent in the desert after his conversion, because God had to do something in him. 
How many of you understand this? Just because God has given you where to go, he may not have given you what you need to go. I'm going to say that one more time because that's pretty good. And only three of you, amen. So I'm going to say it one more time. Sometimes God has shown you where to go, but he has to still give you what you need to go. See, just because you know what you're supposed to do in here, that you may not have it right here yet. I think God wants me to teach Sunday school. Well, that's pretty good, but first step is show up to church on time. Can I get an amen? I mean, I know that sounds harsh, but there's some steps in between. There's some steps in between where you are and where God wants you to be. You cannot jump from A to T. There's the letters in between, and that's where most people give up or quit. So when God gives you a vision, hang on to it and then start taking the steps, the first step. Take one step at a time, but you got to be willing to wait. So in chapter 2, verse 2, he says this, I took up wine and I gave it to the king, and the king said, why is your face sad? So there's a couple things while you wait. While you wait, the first thing is keep doing your job. Pastor, you don't understand. I'm the low man on the totem pole. You keep doing that job. You do it the very best you can. Can I get an amen right there? If you take out the garbage for Jesus, you take it out with the best attitude in the, on the place. You don't need, right? Whatever you do, you're doing for the king. So just keep doing, keep serving. You can't say, well, God showed me I'm going to do this, so I'm just going to do nothing until I get there. No, you've got to keep doing your job. Keep being the cupbearer. Keep serving the king. Keep doing all that God's asked you to do right where you at. God can't take you to the next place till you're faithful where you're at. Oh, you need to hear that. Now, some of you say, I'm pretty comfortable where I'm at. In fact, I really don't want more. That's a problem too. You know, God puts a, a burden in the, in the heart of Nehemiah as cupbearer to the king. He could have easily said, I think somebody else can do that. No, 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 it's your job. God wants to use you. Can I encourage you to do this? Don't push. Right? Don't, 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 don't nag the king. Everybody hear that? You know, oh, I know what I'm supposed to do next. Hey, I want to do it. Can I do it? I want to do it. I want to do it. Can I do it? King, can I do it? I want to go. I'm ready to go. You just got to hang in there. Don't push, just pray. And while you pray, you keep praising. You keep trusting God. God, you're going to open the right door at the right time. See, the enemy wants you to quit. The enemy wants you to see, well, God didn't do what you thought he'd do. This is my prime time. And this is where people fall off. Because you believe God for something, God didn't do it, and you say, well, forget it. I quit. But I want to tell you something. Just because your circumstances aren't going according to your plan, God is still on the throne. He's still in control. And guess what? He still loves you. His love for you didn't change because circumstances. So, well, then what's God going to do? You just hold on, brother or sister. You just hold on. God's going to about to blow your mind. But see, if you don't believe that, right? You ever opened a Christmas gift from your parents and went, really, that's it? Well, mom and dad, first of all, like, well, I'm taking everything else back. You kidding me? Really? That's your attitude? Can you believe? Now, listen. Can you believe that God has amazing things for you? Amazing things for you. Amazing. Now, it can't be all chocolate cake, though, either. Everybody understand that? Good night. You've got to do some chores once in a while. But, so we've got to understand. We've got to hold on. Don't push. Just pray. Praise. And be ready. I love this. Most I picked up, got the Spirit of God revealed this to me. So when, when, when the king says to Nehemiah, 
What are you asking me for? Nehemiah, I could just see Nehemiah taking out a piece of paper he's got folded up in his pocket. Well, here's what I need, king. I'm going to need some letters. I'm going to need some timber. See, I done got a list here I've been working on for the last four months. See, see, when God gives us the opportunity, sometimes we haven't been doing our part. And now all of a sudden, the opportunity is, you're like, uh, whew, I wasn't expecting you to ask me that. What are you requesting? Um, well, I mean, I haven't thought about it. You better be ready. You better be ready. You, you better understand that, that David was, Dave, we read the David and Goliath story, and we think David woke up one morning knowing he was killing a giant. He wasn't going to do that. He was carrying cheese and bread, people. He was just being a good son. Dad said, carry some supplies to my brothers. Going to go do that because my daddy asked me to. He had no idea that it was giant day. But when it was giant day, he was ready. He was prepared. In fact, he said, wait a minute. Why y'all letting that giant curse our God? Who's going to stand up to this guy? Oh, I don't know. Listen, listen, listen. I done done a bear. I done done a lion, and that dude ain't going to talk about my God like that. I'm going to put my cheese down. I'm going to pick me up a rock. I'm going to do business right now. Anybody hear that? You've got to be ready. Your day's coming, but we're spending every day grumbling about why God hasn't done what God hasn't done, that you're missing the next opportunity. Be ready. Be trusting. Be praising. Be, be, be waiting, plan now. If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me that they may pass. He already had a plan. So while you're waiting, start planning. Start getting an idea, right? If you've ever done anything in front, right? If, you're, if, if God's put on a heart for you to teach, you start teaching. You set up some baby dolls and you start teaching, <laughs> right? Back in the day, way back in the day, does anybody ever feel like you've lived multiple lifetimes? I'm way back in the day, right? I wanted to be a band director. That's what I wanted to do. But can I tell you, I took up my baton multiple times to the stereo. I didn't wait for the band to show up. I was already had the band in my head with a stereo playing, and I was conducting. Everybody follow that? I knew where they were. See, some of you, God's given you a vision. You start believing what God wants to do, and you start practicing, and then when an opportunity, you won't be stammering around like, oh, I didn't, I didn't think I'd get this opportunity. Well, God put it in your heart. Get ready. Start planning. Start preparing. Start prepping. Plan now while you're waiting. Number two, not only you got to wait, you got to work. You got to work with a strong worth ethic. You got to work with others, right? Now, I know you say, I, I prefer to work alone. For those of you that prefer to work alone, can I tell you, you get more work done with others than you will alone. Nehemiah builds the wall. He doesn't go, well, this wall's pretty bad. I'm gonna go and get started on this. Everybody just get out of the way. You need other people to help you accomplish what God wants you to do. Can you hear that? So you gotta work with a strong work ethic with others. So work is done together. It's done together. We've got to come together. Now, the problem about coming together is you don't always get your way. And that's where I just want to go, wah, wah, wah. Because it really ain't about you. It's about the work. Does the work get done? 
Does Jesus get, can I tell you real quick, here's what matters in this church, that we know Jesus, that we love one another, and that we impact the world. I could care less if the walls are white or orange. Do we know Jesus? Are we loving one another? Are we impacting the world? Because those are things we die on. Those are hills we die on, right? Those are things we're going to be about. Everything else is just noise. Everything else we just get. And so the enemy, what he does, he gets in our head about the noise. The enemy gets you upset. You know, Randy Annis, he looked at me funny yesterday. And he ate the last blueberry cake donut. Now, I'm telling you what, Randy knows I like them blueberry cake donuts. He knows it. Two weeks ago, I told him, there's one left. So I decided when he said a prayer request, I wasn't going to pray. <laughs> I'm not praying for Randy. He took the last blueberry cake donut. How dare him? Lord knows I like them. I know my wife won't let me eat the blueberry cake donuts. I'm diabetic. So I had to sneak them in at men's prayer. Randy took the last one. In fact, when I see Randy at church on Sunday, I'm not even going to look at him. And guess what? I don't much care for Peggy either. So now, I'm just going to sit on the other side of the building, and I'm going to get my worship on. No, you're not. Worship ain't nowhere near you. You're so wrong with God. Right, and then we say, oh, Lord, use me. Just zip it. God can't use you, you dirty-hearted person. Get right with God. Can you hear that? We laugh about it, but church is all over fighting about the dumbest stuff, and the devil goes, did it again. I did it again. I did it again. We got to come together about Jesus. What matters? Jesus. What else matters? Nothing else matters. Just Jesus. Is Jesus lifted up? Are people finding Jesus? Are people knowing Jesus? Are people loving each other? That's what we're about. Everything else, just zip it. Pastor, I got a problem. Just shut it. I don't care unless it's about Jesus. Amen? Amen. Everybody's now going, oh, there's a problem in the church. Oh, there's a problem in the church. No, that's how we keep from having problems in the church. Can I get an amen? That's how we keep from it. I heard, I went one time, many years ago, I was at a, a Baptist church, and that guy was preaching just like this. And I went to him after church. I said, oh, pastor, are there problems in the church? He said, no, this is how we keep from having problems in the church. This is called preventative preaching. We address it before it happens. Amen? So guess what? You think, well, who did Nehemiah have to work with? He had to work with a king who did not know God. You talk about favor. You're talking about a king who does not know God, who says, oh, you want to build the walls of God's city? How can I help fund this project? You're talking about God hearing and answering prayer. And can I tell you something real quick, church? From last Sunday, here's what we know. If God wants to fund it, God will fund it. God will fund it. God will bring it in. If it's of God, God will provide. God will, and God will bring it in from anywhere. So if somebody comes in and says, hey, I've got $100,000 for the church, well, praise the Lord, we'll tell you, yeah, but I don't, you know, I don't, hey, it's money for the Lord. That makes sense. He took project, he, he took funds, he took timber from an unbelieving king. So we understand this, that when we pray, God works. You understand? So Nehemiah, for four months, for four months, has been asking God and asking God and asking God. And one day the king just opens the door. The king of Persia opens the door. What are you requesting? 
And Nehemiah had a plan. Hey, don't be surprised when God answers your prayer. Don't be surprised. Aren't we, you know, last Sunday, I, you know, I don't, by the way, I don't even know if we announced this. I think I did. I get so excited. I say so much all the time. I'm talking constantly. We were believing God for $5,000. We got $6,800. $6,800. That's what we got. And you know what? And I look at my wife and go, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I, part of me is like, whoo, whoo. That's what I do. I get happy. I go, whoo. I start blowing. Right? I was blowing. I, I say, that's what God does. That's what God does. But you know what? That's also why we worship. Because we, oh, God, you just do it again. Just do it again. God, thank you for doing it again. When we pray, God works. So you've got to work with other people. Sometimes you've got to work with unbelievers, but you've got to pray, and God will work. And guess what? Nehemiah also worked with the discouraged people. See, the walls were broken. The gates were destroyed. And there's two common struggles. Now, God's given you a vision. He's given you a burden. You've made a commitment, and now God's given you a group of people to work with. But the walls are in shambles. The place is a wreck. Guess what? The first thing most people do, tell people what they want to hear. Hey, can I tell you, and I'm telling you, we got a lot of people running around telling people what they want to hear today. Oh, it's going to be okay. We don't, we don't have to honor the, God, the, the, the Bible anymore. We can do our own thing. We can twist it the way we want to. We can do this. We can do that. We, we, we want to tell people. And I can I tell you, it's going to be, we're going to be in the minority when this thing's over with. Can I get an amen? When I say the minority, truth is getting watered down more and more every single day. But I am telling you what, before I water it down, put me in the ground. It's not going to happen. We're not watering down the truth. we got to say what God wants us to say. We have to stand on his truth more than ever at the end. So there's going to be times, if you haven't figured this out, I'm going to say things you may not want to hear. But you're going to need that. I'm going to need that. I'm talking to myself as much as I am to you. We've got to make sure we don't just tell people what they want to hear. The other people is we tell people the truth with no grace or love or tact. Like, like a fitness trainer. Hey, I just want to let you know you're really fat. And uh, I don't know. I guess I can work with you, but you're probably the biggest person I've ever seen. I'm just not sure if we're going to get there or not. Well, uh, wait a minute. What? <laughs> Right? And some of you pride yourself on telling people exactly what they need to hear, but you don't care if you package it in love or not. You're just going to say, hey, you ugly. I just want you to know that. And I apologize, but there's nothing I can really do about it. So I know you want a boyfriend or girlfriend, but uh, plan on being single. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's just not helpful. And you haven't loved them. Right? Can I tell you, if you love somebody, you can tell them the hard thing. I need you to hear that. But that's why you've got to love people. If you love people, you can tell them the hard thing. I can't tell you how many times that in, in my past that I've seen people that are living together. Living together, man and woman, just living together. And I don't know what you think about that, but the way I see the Bible is that's wrong. It's just wrong. Not married, living together, Okay. And so, so many times, I can't tell you how many times I've had to sit down with a couple and say, listen, you know I love you. Pastor, I know you love me. You know I want God's best for you. Yes, you want God's best for me. Now, I'm not talking about the first time I meet them. It's been a minute. See, just the first time you see somebody doing something wrong doesn't mean you're supposed to tell them the very first time. Maybe you're supposed to write it out, develop a relationship, and develop love, and let God give you that opportunity. You hearing that? And so over time, over time, hey, 
You know I love you. Pastor, I know you love us. Hey, but I got to tell you, the way you're living right now is not right. You want God to bless you. And here's the good one. Well, for tax purposes, this is what's best for us right now. I don't care what the IRS says. God says, God trumps the IRS. Can everybody hear that? I know you're scared of the IRS, but God's bigger. And so I, I just want you to understand, this is not God's ideal for you. It's not the best for you. And God will bless you and blow your mind if you'll do the right thing. Every time I've married them in their house within a week. Well, we know a ceremony. No, you don't. You need to get right with God is what you need to get. Let's do that. Then we'll plan a ceremony, but let's get right with God first. Because nothing matters more than getting right with God. Can I hear an amen to that? That's the best thing we can do. So it's okay. You can tell people the truth, and you should tell people the truth. But please preface it with a whole lot of love. It'll be received better when you love them and say truth in love equals revelation. When you can tell people the truth and you tell them that in love. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes it doesn't go that nicely. Well, you don't tell me what to do. I'm going to go do what I want to do. Okay. I'm just telling you. You know I love you. Well, I know you love me and I'm, now I'm all mixed up, right? Because if you put it in love, it'll at least get people thinking. It'll help people. If you can love people, they'll receive truth a whole lot more. Amen? Next, we got to talk about this. we got to go to war. we got to go to war. we got to wait on the Lord. we got to work. Now we got to fight. we got to go to war. Because when you want to accomplish something great for God, it's going to bring opposition. Opportunity always brings opposition. Now it's time to fight. Now it's time to fight. Because when God gives you a vision, when God gives you a plan, wouldn't it be easy if it just happened? Right? How many of you have been working at a job for a long time? And it, why does it feel like sometimes it's just hard? It is hard. It's hard to get to good things. Why is raising kids hard? Because it just is. It just is. Will it ever get easy? I think I'm finding out the answer is no. Anybody ask, any parents agree with that? Like, it's just, it's just, it's work. Right? So for those of you that are thinking about having kids, just don't. <laughs> just don't. We've got plenty of people on the planet. It's good. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm completely kidding. Have those kids. Hey, but I'm not going to trick you and tell you it's going to be easy. You're going to work. You're going to cry. You're going to sweat. You're going to laugh. And you'll be up lots of nights praying. But it'll be the greatest joy you'll ever have as well. Amen. So, go to war to accomplish God's will. Opportunity brings opposition. So, look at this. So, you got Sanballat in the north. Tobias from the east, Geshem from the south. And it says right there in verse 10, it says it displeased them greatly. They jeered and despised. When you do God's will, when you're following God's path, there's always going to be coming people tell you you're doing the wrong thing. Anybody ever got super excited about something? This is what I feel like God wants me to do. No, 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 that's terrible. You don't want to do that. Your success is someone else's fear. There are going to be people, God's going to drop people the devil's going to drop people in your life to discourage you from moving forward. Because if you don't move forward, everybody around you feels more comfortable. Everybody hear that? See, your, your, your mediocrity actually makes people around you more comfortable. Oh, man, Lord, that is good. That is good. See, when you start reading your Bible a lot, and you come to church, and you say, oh, Mark, man, the Lord was in the Word. I was in the Word the other day, and God was talking to me. Now Mark's going, I wish you'd stop reading your Bible, because I only read like once this week. Now I feel bad. Right? Oh, man, I was witnessing to somebody else, and man, they got saved on my job. It was amazing. I don't want to hear that. I don't witness at work. 
please. You're making me feel bad. Do you everybody understand that? That your success will actually trouble the people around you. But can I tell you, you just rise. You just rise. Because what will happen is you'll rise, they'll get nervous, but you'll pull them up. Mm, that's pretty good right there. Thank you, Jesus. That's one of them I didn't pray, plan on saying, but said it. As you rise, as God pulls you higher, you, do you understand? As God pulls you, see, we're going to become stronger as a church as all of you get stronger. And guess what? Some of you who are stronger are going to pull up others who are weaker. That's biblical. We're going to pull each other up. We're going to make each other stronger. And in the meantime, some of you are going to feel bad about the whole process, but we're coming up. So stop feeling bad. Just get right and let's go. And that's a pretty good word right there. Stop feeling convicted about the people around you. You just get right with God and move up higher too. Let's go. Let's arise and build. Don't let, don't even address your enemy. I love this in, in, in 220 where he says this. They're, they're jeering at him and, and, and the Nehemiah replies, the God of heavens will make us prosper. All, all these guys, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, hey, you can't do this. I'm not even talking to you. The God of heaven will make me prosper. I'm not here for you. I'm not bothered by you. I'm not threatened by you. I'm here to do God's work and nothing will stop what God wants to do because I'm following God. Everybody hear that? Got to hear that. So your enemy, I ain't got time for you. You're still meeting at church? I cannot believe you're still meeting. I don't have time to listen to that. Everybody hearing that? You got, you're still meeting in person? I don't have time for that. Yes, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. You meet more than once a week? Yes. I don't have time for that. You get people to come to church three times a week? Yeah, why don't you? You understand? Can, can, we, can we just go ahead and decide as a church we're not going to follow anybody, other, anybody else? I could care less what other churches are doing. I really could. Because I, I, we got a plan from heaven. God is our captain and our commander in chief. And when he says go, we go. If he says meet, we meet. If he says stop meeting, we stop meeting. But we're going to go. Everybody hear that? Isn't that good? Let's do that together. Amen. The battle is the Lord's. You don't have to worry or be fearful because I'm not... I'm not battling the people around me. I, I just, I said, God, take care of that. God, just take care of our enemies. We're following you. So watch this. So every time you say, I love the verse. I, I got to tell you this. This is pretty cool. So, so uh, I, I have to tell this about uh, Stacy's sister, Melissa, sitting back there. She's got this thing started a few, well, she's been doing it forever. But my wife and I kind of caught on to this about this word for the year, right? You've been doing that for a while. And, so, you know, same thing. She's doing this word for the year. So Stacey and I are like, well, we better get a word for the year too, right? So, but it's been helpful the last few years. We've had a word for the year. So this past year, January 2020, God, what do you want us to do? Now, we have no idea 10, 11, 20, we'll be standing right here right now. We're talking January 1, 20. This is pre-COVID. You know, there was a time we, did, we weren't in a pandemic. Remember that? I watch, I watch shows on TV now and I go, oh, yeah, people used to stand next to each other. Oh, yeah, I forgot what that looked like, right? And so pretty cool, my wife and I come together and we're like, oh, man, what's your, what's your word of the year? My, my wife says, rise up. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Rise up. She says, what's yours? I said, build. 
Now, who knew? Well, God knew. <laughs> God knew that here we'd stand, rise up, and build. And that's what God's been doing this year, right? We're rising up in the middle of this circumstance, and we're building. So, But understand this. When you determine in your heart, we're going to rise up and build, you're going to have an enemy that says, I'm going to shut you down. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to rise up and stop you. Right? So you need to understand. Some of you are feeling like, why is there always opposition in my life? Because there's opposition in your life. It's been from the beginning. You've had an enemy that's going on. It's trying to stop you from doing everything God wants you to do. So you feel yourself up against this opposition. But the battle is the Lord, so you keep pressing in. You keep pushing forward. So there's some, there's some things you've got to remember. You've got to expect opposition. Wait, now I don't like the sound of that, Pastor. That sounds hard. Yep. Yep. You know, we didn't sign up for ice cream and lollipops and rainbows. We signed up for the Lord's army. To be in the Lord's army. So we've got to expect opposition. So expect issues will arise. Some of you on Monday are going to realize you've got issues. They're going to come. There's going to be things that will pop up on your path to God's will. While you're rising up. While the walls are coming up. You've got to go ahead and expect the issues will arise. But here's the thing. Don't lose your Jesus in the process. Mm, that's pretty good. Some of you are like, oh, please don't stop on that one very long. Because in the process of building, you lose your Jesus and you lose your witness. So you ruin the testimony of Christ when you get nasty when you're trying to do God's will. We're going to get this youth building done. You better get out my way. Now, wait a minute here, just a second. Um, hmm. Doesn't sound right to me, does it? Doesn't sound like Jesus, does it? Hey, don't, when, when people oppose you, Right? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Understand it. That person next to you on the job, well, that's not your enemy. It's the devil. Don't forget that. That person is not your enemy. The devil's in your enemy. But you can ruin your testimony to that person if you let the devil in them get you down. You follow that? If you lose your Jesus, right? If you lose your Jesus in the middle of an op opposition or a trial, then all of a sudden your Jesus isn't as appealing to me. Because if Jesus can't get me through the hard times, why would I want him? See, the draw of Jesus is that I can be full of joy in the middle of difficult circumstances. The draw of Jesus is that though I feel the opposition, though the world fall down on me, I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Everybody understand that? What drew Moses to the burning bush was the fact that it was burning and not consumed. Some of you, your, your life feels like it's on fire. Don't get consumed. That's the power of God. Now all of a sudden people go, wait a minute. There's a lot coming against you, and you're still happy. You're still joyful for what's going on. Hey, it's just the Jesus in me. It ain't me, that's for sure. Everybody understand that? Break it down to smaller sizes. Sometimes it feels too big. You've got to break that project down to smaller sizes. And never, ever, ever let the devil see you sweat. Right? Everybody follow that? Remember the old, got to take a licking and keep on ticking. Here comes the devil. Just get out of my way. I don't have, pro I don't have time for this. Let's go. We've got things to do. i got a wall to build. I have a wall to build. Keep your eyes on the prize that God has given you, the vision that God has given you. Some of you think, oh, I'm gonna have a, I, want a, I want a strong marriage. I want a strong family. It feels like everything's coming against us. Yes, the devil does not want you to have a strong marriage. 
The devil, does, the devil does not want you to have a strong family. The devil wants all, he wants to rob you of all this, but you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus and don't let that stuff get you down, but you've got to never let the devil see you sweat. My eyes are fixed, God. I'm fixed. I'm not listening to the noise. I'm not worried about the opposition. My eyes are fixed on you. Amen. So here you go. You have to decide today. I want God to help me get to all he wants me to. I love verse 8. For the good hand of my God was upon me. If you're going to make it, you're going to need that. You're going to need the good hand of your God to be upon you. You've been trying to do it yourself, got to stop. Been trying to figure it out, can't do it. Trying to build a wall in my own strength, you will never get it built. You will only be successful and do what God wants you to do if the good hand of God is upon you. If you learn to wait upon him, if you learn to work for him, and you learn to fight you learn to be at war. Amen. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. So what will you do now? What will you do? What will you do with what you've been told today? Some of you are in, a, in the process of waiting on God. and you're, you're tired of waiting and you're grumbling. You're complaining. You just can't. I'm just tired. Of, Pastor, I'm tired of waiting. I can't wait anymore. I'm just going to do it myself. Hold on. Hold on. Make that plan. Write it down. Carry it in your pocket, that vision that God's given you. Some of you in the middle of working. Oh, pastor, I got to work with these people? How am I ever going to get it done working with these people? Oh, come on now. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the prize. Some of you feel the opposition. There's so much battling me. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of fighting. Can I encourage you today? Keep warring. Keep fighting. Keep leaning in. The battle is the Lord's. Let God take care of you. Pastor, I want to get to all that God wants me to get to. I don't want to miss a thing. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I want to get to all that God has for me. I want God to do the thing in me so I can do the thing for Him. I want God to do the thing in me so I can do the thing for Him. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Steve, God spoke to me. I'm listening. I hear it. And I'm going to go out from this place, and I'm going to do it. Just raise your hand real quick. Don't even think about it. Come on, raise your hand. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Raise it up high. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Faith Community Church is located at 6801 Southeast Street, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46227. We are on the south side of Indy on the corner of US 31 and Southport Road. For more information about our church, please go to www.fccindianapolis.com. We worship Sunday mornings, 10 a.m., Sunday nights at 6 p.m., and midweek services as well. We have activities and studies for all ages. We have something for your entire family. Come be a part of our family. We would love to see you sometime. Have a blessed day and always remember that Jesus changes everything.